Hello and welcome, everyone. Thank you all for joining us. Brent, this is April 1st when we're recording this. We don't have a corporate April Fool's joke this year. In hindsight, I guess I was too busy, so I'm sorry I let everybody down. We'll have to announce some sort of fancy new offering or devices. Brent, did you see the Dyson noise-canceling headphones that also blow air into your face as an air purifier? Did you see those? No, I did not. Not an April Fool's joke. It came out earlier this week, but it looks like an April Fool's joke. Everybody should Google Dyson headphones, and it looks like you're from Blade Runner or some dystopian (laughs) parallel universe. Interestingly, they were working on this for six years. They were working on this long before the pandemic. So it was an interesting... uh, Everyone thought it was April Fool's, but it wasn't. But a good friend... And a good friend of AEI's texted me a picture today, and it was a screenshot, so I'll I'll read it to you. It says, April Fools, April 1st. It's the only day of the year people actually critically evaluate the things they find on the internet before they accept them as true. I think that's mostly true. Obviously, April Fools is still effective after all these generations of the prank, but maybe we should treat everything on the internet as if it was April Fools Day. Might be a good advice. So, Brent, March is over, which means we have the perspective plantings report. We scored the forecast network questions. Wanted to spend a few minutes today going through the latest and what we learned. So, corn came in at 89.5 million, soybeans at 91 million, wheat was 47.4 million, cotton was about 12 million as well. So, big changes in the Acreage, a lot of things were up, corn was down. And so helping people think about, you know, where this uncertainty was going to go, how things were going to adjust as we move forward. And I guess, Brent, to start this off, what was the biggest surprise that you saw from your perspective? Well, I was surprised that corn acres came in as low as they did. I was expecting something more like last year. So I was a little surprised by that, but not a lot. You know, I think my forecast for corn acres was a little under half that we'd be above 93 million acres. And on soybeans, I thought we'd be well above 87. So a little surprised there. It's also a little surprised that cotton didn't pick up a few more acres in the forecast. But perhaps the thing I'm the most surprised about is, and I don't know why I am, but all of the second guessing and narratives that come out uh, after this report, it's a survey, it's an estimate, it has an error on it. And if you look at those errors, they're probably put you within the range that people are complaining about. Right, let's talk a little bit about that. There's a Warren Buffett quote. I remember or a story from Warren Buffett. Somebody asked him, well, why did you invest in this company? And he said, such and such. And they said, well, how did you know that? That's, you know, nobody knows that. How do you know that? Oh, it's in the footnotes. <laughs> and the idea is that it was in the footnotes of this annual report that nobody ever reads. Well, uh, on page 34 of 37 pages in the perspective planning report, the USDA clearly outlines how accurate this report has been for the last 20 years. So Brent, I think this is your point, the 90th percentile, the 90th percent confidence interval, which means, you know, 90% of the time, the error is going to fall within plus or minus 3.8% of that 89 million acre number. And so it's a little more for soybeans. It's a 5.4% range. Uh, And as you can see, on average, the soybean error 
in absolute terms is uh, about 1.4 million acres. For soybeans, it's 1.5. At the extreme, the largest area we've seen in the last 20 years, uh, more than 6 million acre difference between the, the March number and final, uh, 6.8 million for corn, 8.5 million for soybeans. Brand we guessed online, I'm pretty sure that was 2019 in the big prevent plant. But the last piece over here on the very far right is folks, uh, I've seen a lot of people say, this is the last, this is the, the smallest corn number that will be printed. That was everywhere. And I think if you just were to look at the base rate, uh, 10 years out of 20, the final number is above the March estimate and 10 years it is below. So from this point, it is a coin flip as to where those numbers go. Yes, you might hypothesize that it could go one way or the other from here, but just keep in mind, it's not a guarantee. In fact, we're going to open some new forecast network questions in the coming week to help people think about, you know, what's the probability of corn number acreage going up from here, soybean acreage going up from here, and finally the combined acreage going up from here. Yeah. And I think, I mean, people have short memories. There's a lot of things that can happen. There can be more prevent plant, less prevent plant. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can happen. The markets are clearly as volatile as they have been. I saw someone's debating that, well, it was because bankers told farmers not to plant corn and plant soybeans. I think that is very, that cannot have a very big impact on reality. I just don't think many bankers are in the business of dictating crop mix. Now they may give you an opinion. But there are very few of them are telling you what to grow. I just think that reflects a lack of understanding of how things actually work in the real world. So, you know, these are numbers. They're the best guesses. They're estimates with errors. And uh, I think it's important to remember that. And people, you know, go through all kinds of crazy analysis to point you know different things out and i think at the end of the day everybody's implying a level of precision that's just frankly not there i think that's a really important point to keep in mind i mean we're talking about a scenario here where you know in the past 20 years corn acres on average have moved 1.4 million acres between now and final and that could be higher and that could be lower but that's the average movement and folks are trading a window of potential outcomes that's way, way tighter than that. And we need to sort of think about that range of outcomes. I'll, Brent, I'll tell you the biggest surprise for me. And this, I could have fallen to your camp about, you know, what you described as sort of trying to explain away the outcomes that we missed. I was surprised that combined corn and soybean acres got above the 180 million threshold. I thought that was sort of, I had maximum uncertainty. I was around a 50% chance of that occurring. And I'm gonna write an article about this, but I think we have to realize that the USDA is coming in with a normal prevent plant scenario. And so if you think about the size of the ag factory, the sort of the stamped capacity, which is sort of 180.5. And from there, we can get above it with no low prevent plant outcomes and we can get below that final number with you know uh, above normal prevent planted acreage uh, so we'll see how that falls out we sometimes think about the prevent plant risk as we don't get the crop planted uh, like 2019 but there is a prevent plant risk where we actually get more acres planted than the capacity yeah. of the plant that's stated so i actually think 180.5 I'll write this article up and keep looking at it, but it's signaling that the U.S. 
uh, factory expanded. We actually brought more acres into corn and soybean production and all the big four actually picked up acres this year. And so we are seeing this acreage response play out. Which is funny because if you just go on Twitter, which is probably the worst source of information, you do not get that impression. But I think it's reality. All of those eight crops increased. And so, you know, it's suggesting that farmers are, you know, pretty aggressively adding acreage. And I think it's important to understand that and dig beyond kind of the drive-by, for lack of a better term, analysis that you see on Twitter everywhere. I think it was funny last year, the summary here was, oh my gosh, I'm surprised we didn't add more acres. We should have added more acres. The response wasn't big enough. And now the response was, oh, see, yep, I I knew it would never increase. I knew we have an upper limit here. (laughs) It's sort of, I think the change here is uh, a little bit surprising. So I guess it's how we size up and think about this. And so we need to really think about this prevent plant under normal conditions right now. And we'll see how that resolves. So Brent, let's shift gears and talk about the score of those three questions. We talked about the consensus. The consensus, interestingly, was headed in the right direction. And all these questions, the consensus was below 50% chance of occurring for more than 93 million acres of corn, above 50%, closer to 65% chance of more than soybean acres being up. And then, of course, the consensus also got the idea of more than 180 million acres of combined crops. So again, the consensus is a good way of thinking about which way the direction is going to be. But let's talk a little bit about the scores a lot of good scores coming in. So we created the point system we're going to use for the yield contest that's launching for the 16 question contest that's going to run from May through the November WASD. And this is a, a look at the, the range of points accumulated. So real quick, you take your rank, which is out of 100 points, and you take your participation, which is out of 100 points, you multiply them. Each question could generate 10,000 points. We had three questions. So you could total possible points was 30,000. Quickly show that I'll share, and I want to move past this as quickly as possible. This humble pie is not uh, fun and a little salt in the wound. Most of the time, my goal is just to be Brent, but I got 6,000 points out of a possible 30,000, which is not a good score if you're going to think about, you know, academic test. Brent, you got 12,000 points. So you smoked me. It was, I did really, really poor on the soybean question. I I was in the fifth percentile. So it was really bad. Usually I can do good on a couple questions and bad on a couple questions. And the average is okay, but I just did bad across all three of them. So Brent, you won this round. Well, and I was telling you beforehand. So for instance, on the soybean question, my percentile rank was not very good. I got a better percentile rank on the corn question, but I feel like my forecast on soybeans was better. I was at a 70% chance that we were going to go over, which I think is pretty high. I mean, that's a pretty good chance, uh, almost three out of four, but I didn't score that well because everybody had a pretty high score on it. So I think my forecast was pretty good, but I didn't score as high. And so sometimes it's important to kind of just step back. I'm sure you didn't do quite as badly as the scores might suggest, but we obviously had one person that uh, really did very well. must have won almost all three of those questions. So um, kudos to them. And that's great. And we love having, you know, I think in general, we have a lot of smart people in our network and that's good good for all of us. A lot of folks had really good 
forecasts, really good scores. And as Brent mentioned, there's one statistical outlier, 27,000 points accumulated out of a possible 30,000. So really strong. There were a few people who were not surprised by the Wazity report or the acreage report, right? And there are a few people who thought that this was a possibility. And the tagline for the 16 question challenge around yields is proving you're easy has never been so. So there was at least one person who can uh, frame this and prove to their friends and colleagues and the family that they are one of those Malcolm Gladwell outliers of, you know, a lot of hard work and they have some data to back that up. So congratulations to everybody who participated. This is a lot of fun to see this come together. Yeah. Brent, I'm going to wrap this up with a quote and it's a quote that you and I both enjoy. Now I can't find it. I have this tab open. The one that says models, I think. Okay. Your face was uh, covering it here in the screen share. So um, <laughs> it's not your fault. So I'll read this quote, Brent. I'll let you, you know, summarize it a little bit. It comes from Ben Bernanke, who of course was the former chair of the Federal Reserve. And I believe he was still at the Federal Reserve. Yeah. When he gave this uh, conversation and gave this speech in 2009 on the backside of the housing crisis. And the quote is, in some ways, predicting the economy is even more difficult than forecasting the weather because the economy is not made up of molecules whose behavior is subject to the laws of physics, but rather human beings who are themselves thinking about the future and whose behaviors may be influenced by the forecasts that they or others make. Yeah, that's a great quote. And I think it does explain the world pretty well. And I think this is another case where, you know, now we have a perspective plans report and prices have reacted and there may be some people who might change their behavior a little bit. Although I would not expect to see large shifts just based on price levels alone. It would be, you know, weather, I think that make the biggest factor shift, but it's important to remember that people make changes. And that is sometimes the purpose of reports like this report, this March perspective planting, right? Let's give the market an idea. And if the market needs to adjust and if individuals need to adjust, let's give them that opportunity. And so it is not a perfect measure. It is not a perfect instrument. It's not a perfect tool. And that is somewhat by design. We need to get this information out there and we need to make adjustments from there. But speaking of this, it's been interesting to see how the corn market for a while, again, when you see corn moving, let's say 20 cents higher and soybeans are unchanged or flat, that is a big change in the relative prices because generally we expect soybeans to move like 2.3 times the movement of corn. And so immediately after the port, when I looked, it was corn was up 20 cents and soybeans were flat. That is a big relative price change. So we've seen the relative prices move a lot over the last six months. I don't know how unprecedented that is, but it's been all over the board. This price ratio was favoring soybeans back in the fall, and then it's favored corn by December, then it favored soybeans in February, and now it's trending back to corn. So the signals that producers are getting, you know, in this decision-making window have been very mixed, and they've been swinging from one side of the pendulum to the other. So uh, here we are heading the planting and the pendulum is swinging towards corn. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us this week. We'll catch you later. In the meantime, stay curious. Thanks.